0: Good morning everybody. Welcome to Watershed. We're so glad to see you this beautiful May day. Who's loving that sunshine? Yeah. After, what do they say, the dreariest April we've seen in Michigan, in like forever. It's nice to have some sun. I got a lot of it yesterday, so I'm feeling a little sunburnt. Hopefully you are not this morning as well. Well, let's stand together. We're just going to say hey to the people who are, are sitting around us. Just catch up with them quickly and see how they're doing this morning. We're going to continue in our worship this morning. Every time we gather as a church, it's a, a time for us to remember who God is and what he's done. And so this morning, as we just get our minds and our hearts centered on who he is, we're going to sing a song called Glorious Day. And it's just a reminder that God has sent Jesus who rescued us from the grave and has given us a new life in him. So we just invite you to sing this along with us as we sing it this morning.
1: song was inspired by the words of Psalm 97, 1 through 4, that tells us, the Lord reigns, let the earth be glad, let the distant shores rejoice. Clouds and thick darkness surround him. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Fire goes before him and consumes his foes on every side. And then this next verse is the key one for the song we're about to sing. His lightning lights up the world. So we know that Jesus is the light of the world and he lights up this world. The earth sees and trembles. So as we sing about how the darkness trembles, Jesus brings that light to us. Well, through fifth graders, it's your time to be dismissed. Head over to Miss Lori and, and go off to your class.
2: that passage of scripture that we studied weeks ago from Exodus 34. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Lord, this is who you are. Lord, you are, you are the Lord. You are the, the Lord over all creation. And, and God, during the springtime season, particularly here in West Michigan, we see the tulips bursting out of the ground. We, we see the, the, the leaves beginning to burst from the trees and the flowers that are blooming and the, the perennials. Lord, it is an amazing and beautiful sight this time of year, spring. The creation indeed declares your glory, and we, we praise you for your grace and your love and your power. We thank you, God, for, for how spring reminds us of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As flowers burst from the earth, Lord, we remember as we sang that, that Lord, you turn graves into gardens. And Lord, our story as your people is, is, is a story framed by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That death is not the enemy, but life is comes after death. Lord, this is our story. And we praise you for that. We thank you, God, that you are compassionate and loving, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast, covenant-loyal love. Lord, your love goes beyond what we can imagine. We thank you for your care. Lord, that you call us your children. And Lord, the new identity that we've received because Christ has risen from the grave. Thank you, Heavenly Father. And Lord, on this this Mother's Day, we thank you for those that you've entrusted. Your love and your compassion and your care. Lord, there's so many in our lives, but Lord, today we want to thank you for our mothers, for grandmothers. Lord, we thank you for, for our spiritual mothers, those who have invested in our lives. And Lord, we are where we are at today for so many women in our lives. Formed us and, shaped us. and Lord, as we pause and we thank you for mothers, Lord, we also take a moment to pray for those with whom Mother's Day is one of those holidays is particularly difficult. Because, Lord, maybe they lost a mother this year. Or maybe, maybe they lost a child, maybe to miscarriage. Lord, we pray for those whose hearts ache to become parents. And to become a mother and are struggling with infertility lord we recognize the tension in days like today that there is so much to be thankful for and yet lord we pray for your compassionate and caring hands to hold those who are hurting today and lord this this tension captures something of what we want to be as a community at heart Wike, at watershed fusion and and celebration lord a place where where all are welcome, all are embraced, and, Lord, we can, we, can, we can celebrate with those who celebrate and in the same breath cry and weep with those who weep. Lord, may this be a place where community is fostered, the love of Jesus is experienced, and the grace of the gospel is declared. Do that work, Holy Spirit, for you are the only one who can do that work in us, through us, and among us, we pray in Jesus' name. God's people say together amen and amen I uh, let me organize my my notes here it is good to be together I was I was thinking about this too did you know um, so today's Mother's Day last week was teacher's appreciation week right and uh, there was something about the fact that those are overlapping you know we kind of we kind of take for granted our teachers. We take for granted our mothers. And, and then tulip time, right? It's tulip time. Am I obligated to say that it's tulip time? Being in, this is my first full season here, but uh, get ready, watch out for traffic, and uh, enjoy the beauty of God's creation. Hey, we are continuing a series, and across all three campuses, we've been in this series uh, called "Jesus: the, the Glory and Mystery of God." It's been a study through the book of. Colossians, and uh, it is also, we're in that season of Easter Tide, and so we're continuing to sing some of those resurrection songs from Easter Sunday, and so if I were to say, Christ is risen, there we go, Christ is risen, we can continue to echo that refrain, in fact, we can do that every Sunday because the resurrection is why we gather, but during this Easter time, we've been studying the book of Colossians, Uh, again, just a little review, Paul is writing to a, the church in Colossae from prison. He's offering encouragement and guidance to a community he's never met because they're facing specific challenges uh, in that time and place. And so we're kind of stepping it back into the ancient world as we're reading these words that continue to speak and have revel, revel, relevance in our lives today. Last week across campus, we looked at Colossians uh, chapter 1, 15 through 23. It's the uh, well known Christ home and we talked about the supremacy and the lordship of jesus christ that jesus christ is lord and what does that mean for us that he's reconciled all things to himself today we begin to build on that looking at the implications of this gospel good news uh and you know what i am a first-time clicker user so i'm gonna see if is it working there we go okay so bear with me normally I'm trying this, okay. So, last week we looked at the gospel. Today we're really looking at some of the implications of the gospel. Paul's writing from prison, um, and, and he's, and he's what, is, what does this gospel mean for us? What we're going to really be talking about today is maturity, spiritual growth. What does it mean to grow in our faith in the gospel? Now, before we enter into the text, there's a couple of verses that are a little confusing, and, and it's kind of like, what is he talking about? So just a quick couple of notes on the first couple of verses. Paul is going to say this, I'm suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regards to Christ's afflictions. Just to clarify, what Paul is not saying is that he is somehow completing what Christ left unfinished in his suffering. Like, what Christ did on the cross is full, complete, and, and, and instead what Paul is saying is his suffering is kind of an extension of Jesus' suffering. We, as followers of Christ, uh, can expect some suffering and trials in this life because we follow a Messiah whose life led him to the cross. Okay, so there's a little bit of that. And then there's this mystery where this gospel that's been hidden, that that there's a covenant not only to the Jewish people, but also to Gentiles. It's been hidden for generations, and now it's been revealed in Christ Jesus. So that's just a little bit of what he's talking about, and then we're going to get into the maturity piece. That screen's not helping me, so I'm going to have to keep turning around to make sure I'm on the right place. One of our traditions, or one of the things we do at Fusion, is we stand for the reading of God's word. And so I'm just going to invite you, if you're willing, if you're able, to stand as we hear God speak to us this morning. Colossians 1, verses 24 through chapter 2, verse 7. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you. And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church. I become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. So then, just as you received Christ as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Will you join me in a word of prayer? Lord God, we thank you for your love We thank you for your word, Lord, words penned 2,000 years ago, and yet words by the power of your spirit that continue to speak life into our context today. Spirit, we pray that you would do this work in us so that we'd be encouraged where we need encouraging, that we'd be challenged where we need a little bit of a nudge, and in all things, Lord, that you'd be forming us more and more into the likeness of your son, Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray all these things, amen, amen. A couple of weeks ago, I decided that it was time to get back outside and running. Any any joggers or runners out there? Any, anyone not afraid to admit it? I don't. I'm not. I, I don't even really put my hand full in the air because I don't know if you would classify what I do as running. Um, but I didn't, I didn't take a full break. I, 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 this winter was kind of the first winter that instead of like running out in the snow and risking life and limb, uh, you know, on West Michigan ice, uh, I decided to, to ride a stationary bike. So for the whole winter, I've been, you know, just three days a week kind of riding a stationary bike, listening to sermons, you know, because that's what pastors do, and, uh, and getting some exercise. And really, the goal in all this is so that I can eat potato chips uh, on the weekends. But anyway... So I'm, I'm riding my bike you know, during the winter, and a couple weeks ago I was like, okay, let's get back out running, and I was kind of excited. The weather's turning, and uh, again, clarification here. When I say running, um, don't picture like Tom Hanks in the movie Forrest Gump crossing the country multiple times. Um, instead picture, have you seen the movie Anchorman? I don't know if I can reference that, but picture like Tom, uh, Ron Burgundy Referencing a new '70s craze, jogging or yogging? Okay, yeah, with like a quart of whole milk in his hand. You know, anyway, that's a horrible image to leave you with. But there we go. So, but anyway, I, I got out there and I started running a little bit. And honest confession, I got done and uh, it did not go well uh, because I'm getting a little older, and I was like sore for a whole week. Like, my legs were, like, I couldn't hardly get upstairs, like, all for, and I, like, ran two miles. Like, again, I don't run a lot, and I don't run at a fast pace, but I'm, like, getting home, I'm like, oh, and Yvonne's, like, what's wrong with you? I'm just, I'm hurting, and suddenly I realized, like, okay, totally different muscle groups, this whole running thing, even if I've been riding bike to keep the cardio going, like, this is going to take some time to get back into whatever you call I was at before I stopped, right, running shape. By the way, side note, runner's high? Is any, I don't even believe that. That can't, be a, that can't be a real thing. Okay. So anyway, I say all this, that, that it's going to take some time for me to get back in shape, but isn't that true with all exercise plans? Isn't that true with any kind of, if you're, gonna, if you're trying to get healthy and you're enter, enter, entering like an exercise plan or a diet, what does that require? It takes time, right? You want to get healthy, and I think many of us, we want to get healthy, but the process takes time. And the process takes commitment, it takes hard work, it takes sacrifice. It ha- you need to have like this long-range goal in mind to kind of push through the pain and the suffering of getting back in shape. Uh, in fact, uh, on the internet, they have all these plans. Have you seen this? You, there's a couch to 5K. And so they actually map out A a, a weeks-long plan to go from sitting on the couch, which I love to do, by the way, to running a 5K, I guess that's not a marathon, but a 5K race. And and the plan ranges from like five weeks, which seems very ambitious, to like 10 weeks. So it it takes time and hard work and commitment. And as, as we think about that, we all understand the reality of getting healthy physically takes discipline, so the question I want to ask today is, what about our spiritual health? And what's our expectation as far as, as far as getting healthy spiritually? What does that mean? That's what we want to explore today as we consider these words of maturity and, and full matu- fully mature in Christ. And we're going to get there in a bit, but we've got to start with the starting point to every journey. For the spiritual life, the life in Christ, it all starts with the gospel, or as Paul puts it, the glorious riches of this mystery. And I love this language, right? Simple and yet profound. Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul then beautifully summarizes this passage. And if you have a Bible or if you have an app, and if you want to open up to, first, or to Colossians chapter 1 and 2, uh, this verse is going to be our guide, chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Where it kind of summarizes all that we just talked about, and it begins this way. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord. You see, as we think about uh, growing spiritually, it begins with the gospel. And it begins with, with this receiving of the gospel in faith believing and confessing jesus christ as our lord or our master and the mystery of this gospel is what happens by grace through faith that be, that the spirit works when we receive in faith and that's a work of god that that christ dwells in us this union with christ is is the hope of glory a future glory for eternity we receive the gospel christ in you the hope of glory this is the gospel paul is working to be made known among the gentiles as he says in verse 27 this is the gospel paul and timothy are are proclaiming in this letter verse 28 but eventually that good news that we proclaim needs to be received in faith verse six and at that moment we are marked and we are sealed as christ's own we are we are christ's beloved children Is an act of faith that confirms the gracious work of the Spirit and assures this gift of eternal salvation. We are saved by grace, and we receive that grace through faith. And Christ dwells in us. This is the good news. Now, now just think about your own journey. Maybe you remember that moment when, when this faith that maybe you had been learning, something clicks, and you're like, I want that for my life. The Spirit working in your life. And maybe for you it was, it was at summer camp. Right, you're at summer camp and there's a bonfire. And they, 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 they explain the gospel to you and, and suddenly you're like, I want this for my life. And we praise God for that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe, maybe, maybe you've heard the stories of, of someone who hits rock bottom in a hotel room and they open the drawer next to the bed and there's a Gideon's Bible. And they start reading that Bible and the Spirit works in their heart and convicts them. And they say, I don't fully understand, but I want that for my life. We receive this gospel in faith. We praise God for that. Or maybe you're, you're maybe a young person. You've grown up in the church and, and you've been receiving this faith and it's, it's been this faith that has kind of been your parents' faith. And, and then you, you, you take that profession of faith weekend with, with Nate. And suddenly the Spirit's like convicting. It's like, I want that for my life. And you make that decision and you profess your faith before the body. Praise God for those moments of clarity when we receive this gift of faith. And from that moment, let me just be clear, that's justification, that's salvation. We are saved. We are marked as God's own by grace through faith. But here's the thing that I think we often miss. That's not the end. That's the beginning. That's not the end. It's only the beginning. Deciding to give your life to Jesus Christ is the first step in the life of discipleship. It is the moment you decide to commit to the Couch to 5K right program, saying, I'm going to do this. It's the first step. By the way, side note, I, I think one of the things that, that we, have as a tradition, have maybe failed is we, we, we forget that. And so when it comes to profession of faith, I've heard in my, in my other church, like, my previous church, right? Like kids, like, well, I don't know if I'm I'm ready to make profession of faith. I don't know if I know enough. I don't know if I can pass the test. Profession of faith is the first step. If you understand that you are a sinner in need of God's grace in Jesus Christ, you're ready for profession of faith. And our commitment as a church body is to walk with you as you grow in that, from that moment. We are all on a journey, right? Our vision We make profession, we we receive Jesus Christ in faith, and then comes the lifelong journey of being found and formed by and following Jesus Christ. This is what we call spiritual growth or spiritual formation or discipleship, or as Paul puts it, gospel maturity. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. He says this, verse 6, again, this is our guide. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue... To live your lives in him. Receive Jesus Christ as Lord, now continue to live your lives in him. The Greek word here for live your lives literally means walk. So that really cues in on the journey, right? Receive Christ Jesus as Lord, now walk with Jesus. Continue to walk with him. Again, beautiful imagery related to our vision statement. Verse 28, Paul uses different language. It's not on the screen. He says this, if you have your Bibles open. He says, He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone in all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. That's the, that's the language we want to kind of hang on to this morning. Fully mature in Christ. Notice he goes on, verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Paul is determined to work toward presenting disciples of Jesus as fully mature in Christ Jesus. Grow in gospel maturity. He is the one we proclaim. There it is. It actually is on the screen. I just forgot to change slides. There we go. Fully mature in Christ. Our our, our vision is, is seeing everyone joining in the journey, right? Fully mature in Christ. Notice this is the, the end, Paul is strenuously contending with all the energy Christ gives, something beyond conversion. We convert, we, 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 we choose Jesus by the work of the Spirit in our lives, and then we, we grow fully mature in Christ. Let's look at that language, fully mature in Christ. Here's a little bit of Greek. Uh, the word here for fully mature is the Greek word teleos. Can you repeat after me? Teleos. There you go. It's all Greek to me, right? Now you know a little Greek. Teleos is an adjective, is an adjective that can be translated uh, mature, fully mature, uh, or it can be translated complete in the New Testament. It's also translated as, as perfect. Um, but teleos uh, comes from the Greek word telos, uh, which means end or the goal or, or c- the completion. It's related to the in English, uh, there's, a, there's a prefix, tele, t-e-l-e, right? And so in our English language, it's telephone, telecommunication, uh, television, yeah. In, in the English, that, that, that um, it's related, that prefix means distance, right? So, so distance communication, distance vision, you know. Um, it's related because the end is a far ways away, so you can kind of see the connection. But telelas is a word that describes the end goal, where we are going, or in spiritual formation, who we are becoming. And so maturity is actually a really good word in translation. And now we're going to get into more what does what maturity in Christ look like. That's going to be in a couple of weeks because Colossians 3 verses 1 through 17 paints this beautiful picture of what maturity and spiritual formation, what does this maturity look like in our lives. Uh, here's a little bit of a hint. If you look at the word teleos um, in the New Testament, I was just I found this fascinating. But oftentimes, it's in the context of love. So you remember Jesus says during the Sermon on the Mount, be perfect, therefore, as my Father in heaven is perfect. Same word, teleos. And I don't know if perfect is really the best definition, but be mature, be complete. This comes right after Jesus' profound command to love your enemy. Another example, 1 Corinthians 13, which is the, the love chapter. Talks about maturity in the context of love. Or 1 John 4, uh, perfect love drives out fear. Talios, complete love. Anyway, it's a little preview, but we're going to get there in a couple weeks. For our purposes this morning, though, just know that Paul is describing his own labor and contending so the people would receive the gospel and then grow in the gospel. Just as you have received Christ Jesus, this good news of Christ in you, grow into full maturity. Live lives. In him. So now the question becomes: How does a community of Christ followers grow and mature? How does someone go from the couch to running a 5K, kind of in a spiritual way? And there's some hints throughout the passage. What does it look like for us to foster maturity as the community of faith? Now, again, we have to remember genre, right? This is a letter. We are reading an ancient letter. Paul is writing to a specific context and community. And because of that, Paul's not writing a how-to guide for fostering maturity, right? So we don't want to read too much into this. He's not writing the spiritual version of the couch to 5K. But he mentions some elements that I think are important pieces in creating a fertile environment, fostering maturity in our community. And they're kind of laid out in verse 7, right? Just as you've received, continue to grow. Rooted and built up in him, Strengthened in the faith you were taught and overflowing with thankfulness. Let's cover each of those. We begin by talking about the community of faith. Sometimes this gets lost in our reading. Colossians 2 says, So then just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him. Just as you, right? Just as you received. In the English, we don't really have a word for, unless you're in Texas, y'all. Right? So we say you, and usually that means an individual, you, singular. But, but in the Greek, it's very specific. This is y'all. This is not you individually. This is you, the church, just as you have received. So the assumption in all this is that Paul is talking to a community of faith. And so this is about community, not an individual. Paul is, is the assumption is that maturity is happening in the context of community. And that community, our community, our goal Right, is that we would be Christ-centered, a Christ-centered community. And look at the language here. Rooted and built up in Him. That is Jesus Christ. The imagery here is simple and yet powerful. Rooted. One word. Plants have roots, right? Think of a tree. Think of these towering oaks, these trees, and they have these roots. And what do roots do? They grow into the ground. And what are those roots trying to find? Nutrients in the soil. Water. Those roots We're rooted in Christ. We're drawing our nutrients and strength from Jesus Christ. The other imagery, built up. What's built up? Buildings. So imagine here, the the imagery here is structures built brick by brick on a foundation that is strong and sure. Jesus Christ is the one in which we get our our, our nutrients, our spiritual nutrition from, The church is, and also, Jesus Christ is the foundation on top of which we are built as the church of Jesus Christ. Christ is our foundation and our source of life. In verse 2, Paul gives some additional detail. My goal is that the church may be encouraged in heart and united in love. He's defining and he's describing the community of Jesus Christ that is Christ-centered, united in love, a place of encouragement and love, a place an environment where people can grow and mature in this context of love, where it's safe to do so. As we think about about this, again, related to to health and fitness, I have a theory. What what are some of the health crazes, right? CrossFit's one of them. Any CrossFitters? No judgment. I know I'm not one, right? But the CrossFit movement has has, has taken off. And the CrossFit movement has, has become really successful in helping people get in shape. And why is it? I mean, sure, it's the system and it's the workouts, but I think even deeper, it's the community. It's the fa- I mean, what I see when I see people post about CrossFit, it's about these people that they're doing life with and they're encouraging and they're working out together and they're holding each other accountable and they're loving each other, right? It's about community. If you want to get in shape or if you want to go on a diet, it is far better and easier to do it with the community of people who are going to walk with you and share this journey together. Diet, exercise, all the same. I told you, I don't like running. I've never run so hard, uh, except for when I was playing basketball in high school. Because right? I would never run to the point where I felt physically ill on my own. I just wouldn't do it. But on the basketball team, when I got the coach behind me yelling, run, 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 I'm going to run a lot harder because I got teammates that are depending on me. There is something beautiful about the community of faith that allows us to grow. It allows us to grow in our faith. Christ-centered community. Paul continues throughout the passage to talk about this next theme: teaching, teaching this gospel ministry. He says here, verse seven: strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Paul speaks of his own work throughout this. this if you have your Bibles open, presenting, making known, admonishing, teaching with all wisdom, so people have understanding, wisdom, knowledge. You notice the theme here. Knowledge, understanding, wisdom, they're all important for our spiritual growth. We need to know the gospel. We need to understand the gospel as much as we can understand it. We need to understand how to grow. We need need wisdom to navigate life. Solid teaching is crucial in the life of a faith community. Otherwise, as we'll talk about next week, we'll be susceptible to deception. That's what's happening in the context of Colossae. There's, there's people teaching other things that are not the gospel, and, and you have to know certain things so that you can resist that, and you can resist lies with the truth. Here's a little confession. I, I love this part. I love teaching. Well, I mean, like, I wake up on Monday mornings, and I go to a coffee shop. And this is my job. I go to a coffee shop, and I study Scripture. Like, That's incredible. I feel so blessed every Monday morning that I just get to open God's Word and I get to study and listen. And, and so I love, I lo- like, I, I, when I ride bike, when I run, I, I literally listen to sermons or Bible Project podcasts. That might sound incredibly boring to you, but I love learning and I love growing and I love, I love learning and new insights. They energize me. The problem is, the problem is learning and knowledge does not necessarily translate to action and practice. I mean, I can learn about jogging, and I can, I can listen to podcasts, and I can study jogging or yogging or however you want to say it. I, I can look at the Couch to 5K program, and I can memorize each and every step of that program and know exactly what I have to do exactly at that moment to do it, and I could learn all that and never leave the couch. I could remain on the couch, right? Knowledge is important, but it leads us to the next step, in spiritual growth, which is practice. Or as we put it in Christian history, discipline. Discipline that produces fruitfulness. There's more to head knowledge that is growth. And and to be honest, it's a growth area for me. I love learning. I love knowledge, but this is a growth area for me. Discipline that produces fruitfulness. Now this is not exactly, this is a little bit of a stretch for verse 7, but we're going to have to go back to verse 5 to kind of get this. But Paul says at the end of verse 7, overflowing with thankfulness. But when I read overflowing with thankfulness, what I read is fruitfulness. Right? That is fruit, and fruit is produced from discipline, formation, spiritual growth, maturity. Right? Verse 5, Paul writes, writes this, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in the Spirit, and I delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith is. In Christ is. How disciplined. We don't really like that word all that much. But the Greek word here for discipline is the word taxis. Taxis. It is a word that means good order, discipline, proper arrangement. Think rhythms. How How do I arrange my day in such a way that there is space being created to encounter the living God? Paul's delighted to see the discipline of the church of Jesus Christ. And it it speaks into this this practices of, of ordering our day, discipline, daily rhythms. How are we ordering our day? How are we fostering spiritual maturity, formation, and growth? Again, this is not salvation. Our salvation is secure the moment Christ captures our heart. But God says, I have something more for you in this life. I want you to grow in intimacy. I want you to know me at a deeper level. This is what we're talking about when we're talking about formation, maturity, and growth. And don't we know that this is all all required with exercise and health? Like, we understand this, we understand what's required we have to make a lifestyle change. If we want to get healthy, we have to make a lifestyle change. We need to choose to get up early. We need to choose to get on that exercise bike or, or jog. It requires order. It requires discipline, new daily rhythms. And, and likely at first, if you're just starting out, it's going to be hard. It's going to be painful. It's going to hurt. You're going to be miserable some days, right? Maybe someday, maybe someday, maybe... Someday you'll get to that point where you experience that elusive runner's high. I doubt it because I still think it's a myth. I don't believe it. But it's going to be a long road of ups and downs, challenges, pain. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be a long road. You have to have goals and a foundation. You have to have some knowledge of what you're doing. If, if, it helps if you have people cheer, journeying with you, cheering you on. Loving you through those ups and downs, but the end goal, the teleos, if you will, is a healthier life. Here's the thing that I find fascinating. Millions of people across our country spending billions of dollars on health and wellness understand that getting healthy requires a long-term commitment filled with with discipline and probably some pain along the way. But they do it, and they choose that for their physical well-being and health. Spending billions of dollars on so the question, again, what are we willing to do for our spiritual life? What, what, are, we, what are we willing to do for the, for the health and well-being of our, of our souls? Again, salvation, that's not what we're talking about. But growth and intimacy with Jesus Christ. It doesn't end when we, when we receive Jesus Christ in faith. That's the beginning. It's called spiritual disciplines for a reason. Of course, there's a huge difference between the two. It's the Holy Spirit that at work doing this work. We cooperate with the Spirit. So oftentimes, it's about creating space in our day to encounter the living God. So here's what I'm wondering. Here's what I'm wondering. What would it look like for Hardaway? What would it look like for Hardawike across all of our campus to, to become a place where maturity, spiritual growth, formation is fostered in a powerful way. What does it look like to foster maturity in this community? What does it look like to foster maturity in your life, in our lives together, in your home? Admittedly, we live in a different context, right? Right? The church in Colossae is, is 2,000 years ago in the Roman Empire facing a whole different set of challenges and pressures. But can we admit that we live in a different time and, and a lot has changed for the good, but, but we face a whole different set of challenges and pressures? Can I get an amen there? Friends, here's, here's my honest confession. I, as I was preparing for, for this week's sermon, it, it kind of wrecked me. You know, the first two things we talked about, you know, not to say that I'm, I'm good at them or I'm an expert, but, but like Christ-centered community, teaching, like, like I have a natural bent to keep Christ as the center, you know, and, and, and I have this love of studying Scripture and learning and soaking up all kinds of knowledge, but this, this wrecked me because I, I realized I, I lack discipline. I lack discipline. I have a hard time creating rhythms in my life and in my day and in my week that ground me in Jesus Christ. I struggle creating space in my days just to be with Christ. you want to know why? Because in my life, distraction rules the day. One of the pressures we face, like we forgot how to be bored in our culture, right? You remember like, for those who are a little bit older, you remember going to the doctor's office and they have a waiting room and you just had to sit there and then like maybe have an awkward conversation with someone? Like we don't know how to be bored anymore because if we're waiting in the waiting room, I pull out my phone. If I'm waiting in line, I pull out my phone. Oh my word, there's quiet in my house. Turn on a podcast. Uh, this is my own personal struggle. I struggle creating space in my day because distraction rules. I grew up in Wisconsin, so forgive me. So I'm like a Packer fan and a Bucks fan, but the Bucks are in the playoffs right now. Milwaukee Bucks, this is basketball. And I am totally distracted and consumed and, and wrecked, like nervous. Distraction. Crafty Panda videos on Facebook, (laughs) distraction, rules the day. Netflix, Home and Garden TV, distraction, distraction. One of the things that has been a gift in my life, the last four years I've been seeing a spiritual director and uh, just creating some intentionality. And uh, one of the first things uh, as meeting with a spiritual director that... uh, that he kind of said we were trying to explore, was how do, you find, how do you just create some space in your day? And I don't know about you, but like what I need for, for my own life is I need to do something like proactive and intentional in order to not be distracted. Does that make sense? So like if I'm just sitting and trying to like sit quietly on my couch, my mind's going to go all over the place. Like I need to do something. So, so one of the first things we did, super simple, small baby step. I lived at the the church parsonage. So I literally lived across the parking lot. And so I would just walk straight into the door. And we were like, well, what if, what if, instead of walking straight into the south side door, you walked around the church parking lot? like, Like earth shattering, right? But what did that do? Now all of a sudden I had like a two to five minute walk was set aside. I was doing something intentional and suddenly I began noticing the birds and noticing God and creation. And I was creating this space, even just two minutes in my day, to have an encounter with the living God. Was there something like insightful that happened? Not necessarily, but creating space. So here, as I was being wrecked by this, this conviction that I don't have enough grounding practices and space in my life, this is what I felt convicted to do take some walks and I don't know what it is for you that what does it look like for you to what is that next step towards spiritual maturity or health but for me it was like I'm just going to take some walks and for me that's going to be Wednesday walks that's probably not original someone's probably done that Wednesday walks I'm a pastor I like things with the same letter alliteration whatever but on Wednesday mornings I've put it on my calendar starting June I'm going to gather it I'm just going to meet at the pavilion read a scripture passage walk through our woods We have this beautiful campus, creation bursting all around us. Read some scripture, walk through the woods, come back, read some scripture, that's it. 20 minutes. If you want to do that, feel free to join. If you have other rhythms that you want to put in your day, I'd encourage you to find ways to take time, to create space, to have an encounter with the living Jesus Christ. Because here's what I know and here's what I believe. Paul, 2,000 years ago, longed for maturity in Christ followers and Colossae. And I believe that Christ has more depth and maturity because I believe that we never arrive, no matter where we're at. And it's not going to happen with me spending hours on my couch in front of a TV or stressing about the Milwaukee Bucks. So I'm taking a step. It's a small step. Do I think something magical is going to happen in those woods every morning? No. Just like I don't expect my runs are definitely not magical. But it's creating rhythms and space so that, just maybe on one of those walks, God has a word for me. That's my prayer for myself. That's my prayer for us as a community, that we would find ways to grow in the glorious mystery of this gospel, Christ in you, Christ in me. I want to take that step. And my prayer is that we all find whatever that next step Let's pray and ask God to reveal that to us. Will you join me? Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you, God, for how these words written 2,000 years ago speak truth. Reveal things that your people have, have wrestled with and struggled through for for centuries. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would work in a mighty way, living God who speaks to each of us. Lord, reveal to us in this moment or maybe in this day, what is, what is one small step we can take to create just a little more space for you in our lives. For some of us, Lord, that might be waking up a little bit early, spending some time in your word. For some, maybe journaling prayers. For others, it might be ending our day on the back porch, listening to crickets chirp in the night air. For some of us, Lord, it, it might just be turning off the radio on the way into work and, and listening. For some of us, Lord, maybe life is busy and, and there's small infants at home and it's just going to be trying to find a, a moment in the midst of the chaos and, and needs of taking care of kids. Lord, whatever it is, reveal that next step. And Lord, may we receive this, not, not in a spirit of you should do this and this is what I need to do and that, that tends toward guilt and shame, but Lord, a, a spirit of love and compassion. A spirit of a, of a heavenly parent who, who longs to spend time that you do this work in our lives, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: All right, thank you, JB, for bringing the word to us this morning. We invite you to stand and sing with us as
2: we close out the service. Does that look like for you? Um, as you go from here, receive this, this blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore go in peace. And as you head out, three chairs um, or something, three ch- stack a couple chairs, help out, be the community of faith, yeah <laughs>